Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate that you're investing in yourself, that you're taking some time today to say, hey, what can I do to be a better business person? What can I do to be a better person? Um, you know, ultimately, everything that we do stems from who we are and how we're showing up currently in the world. Um, now, I don't say that from a judgmental standpoint because I would be the first one to tell you that there are both things that ongoingly, you know, are challenges and things that I'm learning and things that I'm overcoming as well as there have been some very dark moments in my life um, as well as some very, very up moments in my life. And so I'm not talking about some of those more fleeting cyclical things, but I'm talking more about the heart and core of who you are. What have you done to really, truly develop you? Think about that one for a second. Um, you know, a lot of times we get information. Information can be very powerful, but it doesn't do much until it drops that, what do they call it, 18 inches from your head to your heart, until it becomes internalized until it moves from random stray facts stored right next to what was your phone number when you were in fourth grade <laughs> and becomes something that is the core of who you are, how you show up in the world, what you think, how you act, what you believe. That's when the real change comes. That's, that's what makes the difference is not just the assimilation of knowledge, but the actual adaptation of it into you being the best version of yourself. And, uh, you know, and that's a moving target. That's, that's something that hopefully is always growing. Um, you know, it's not a straight upward path. There are some, there are some ups, there are some downs, but hopefully... When you look across the path of your past from a standpoint or a view, not from a standpoint of living in the past, we've talked about that before. Hopefully, in general, you see the upward trend. You see growth. You see maturing. You've become an even better version of yourself over the course of the years some things can only be can only be learned through experience um, there are some things that as parents we wish we could just download you know have a USB socket in our children's brains and download it straight to them some things only come for time through time 
other things we can learn, we can research, we can study, and we can up-level ourselves um, through the process of focused personal growth. That kind of starts from, and this is kind of what we want to talk about today, it starts from really truly embracing who you are. Um, you know, doing what I do, helping authors, working with people, coaching, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I've heard something from a lot of different people, and, and no judgment here if you're one of those people and you happen to be listening today. It's a common thread that people will say to me, um, one of my goals in life is to be the next Oprah. I mean, there's a big hole. If you've ever watched daytime television, especially... Um, you know, what I might even call personal growth television, um, there isn't a whole lot there. There are some talk shows and some other hosts, but most of them are going more after the flash factor, the, the shock factor, than they are really trying to help you grow and develop. Um, and so I understand what they mean by wanting to be the next Oprah. But sometimes what we end up having happen is our little dog barking in the background. No, no. What we end up having happen is we focus ourselves on being Oprah rather than filling the space that's necessary for someone to show up as the best version of themselves in that now necessary space. Do you get the difference between those two? I hope that makes sense to you because it's really powerful and really impactful to understand that what we each of us needs to be is the best version of ourselves. And that starts by identifying who am I? What am I good at? What am I meant to be on this planet for? That can be a big one. It can be really hard. You can find yourself at different times, looking at how you have defined yourself and realizing that the definition that you've given to yourself doesn't really define who you are. We define ourselves as husband or wife or mom or dad or employee of the year or um, solopreneur or entrepreneur or CEO. But the being the best you goes deeper than that. It goes to the heart and core and soul of who you are. And sometimes that can be really tough. It can be like, I don't know if I know who I am. Outside of all of those roles, responsibilities, labels, titles that I've given to myself. Or that have been thrust upon me by life circumstances. Who am I really? It's an interesting thought process. And I encourage you that if you haven't really done a deep dive on that, that you take some time, write out, think through, focus on who are you? Think about that for a minute. Who are you really? At the heart and soul, the depth of your being, who are you? 
you're the child of the parents that had you. You're the graduate from whatever level of school you went to, but that's not who you are. We start getting into the ways that we show up in the world, and often we say that's who we are. We're a nice person. We're helpful. And those can be getting a little closer, but even still, who are you? You see, when you get that clarity into who you are as a person, and you begin to really focus in on being the best version of you, then you have something powerful that happens. You begin to really, truly succeed as you. You make moves in your life and in your business that may seem obscure and radical to other people, but they're just simply following the path of who you are. They're simply just being the best version of yourself, right? That's what I want for you. I hope that both through the discussions that I'm having with my guests today, as well as the deep dives that we've been doing together, that you will really truly be able to identify this is who I am. At the heart and soul of me, this is who I am. Because then everything else we do spins out from that internal place and becomes the actions of that being in the world. And that person can truly live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back after this first commercial break. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We really appreciate you being here with us as we focus on being the best version of ourselves, defining that, and then living in that space. I really want that for you. I want you to be able to see how powerful it is when you don't just settle for somebody else's dream for you, but you really define and know who you are. And then you live in that space in a powerful, dynamic way that makes all the difference 
that only you can make in this world. I really, really do want that for you. How would you like to live your best life now? Well, it's possible. And to help us with that, I'm joined by international best-selling author, Dr. Alice Bisson. She's sharing from her book, Your Best Life Now, Truly Loving You and Writing Your Success Story. Hi, Alice. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've done to this point in your life. So my name is uh, Dr. Alice Bissong. I was uh, born and raised in Cameroon, West Africa. From the time I could speak, I wanted to be a physician. And I was blessed to have parents who devoted their entire lives to my success. At 16, I was um, sent to the U.S. to live with relatives um, and pursue my dream of becoming a physician. And I have had several struggles and practically overcame them. And today I can say that I'm living my best life. I know there is more to come, but at this point, I am super grateful for achieving what I have so far. I am a mother of two beautiful girls. I am a full-time physician and also recently an international best-selling author and um, started my company, Success Motivation, with the intent to help other people become more successful regardless of their backgrounds because I have done it. So you say in your book, um, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to us. Explain that to us. I truly believe that what we make from life determines who we become. There are so many things in life that happen to us that we have no control over. The one thing I know is that how you respond to whatever happens determines how successful you become. I'm a great example of someone who should have given up a long time ago. I was born and raised in Cameroon, West Africa. People who come from Africa usually have a hard time succeeding in life. And I truly believe it's because of their response to what happens to them. I now know for a fact that your past should not determine your future and that if you are determined to succeed and use your past as fuel, success is waiting for you. And I want everyone to know that. I want people to embrace their stories, embrace where you come from, but let the past be your past and fuel your future. Decide what you want for yourself and take the necessary action. Let your past not stop you. Let your past fuel you to become who you are. You make a really clear distinction between the concept of responding and reacting. Can you explain that to people? Definitely. One of the 
biggest things I had to learn was getting out of victim mode. And that's because I realized that if you live life in victim mode, you're constantly reacting to things that happen to you. But when you learn to become a creator and become a victor, then you expect life to be tough. You expect the difficulties to come. So when they come, it's not a surprise. You respond and not react. And all of that has to also do with resilience. A strong factor of my resilience has been anticipation. I have now learned to anticipate certain things to happen in life. I do want to succeed. I want to live my best life, but I may have to go through a divorce. It's okay. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. I am going to succeed regardless of that. So if there's a divorce in my future, then it shouldn't cause me to react negatively and become depressed. If I have a financial setback, it shouldn't cause me to react. I have an emergency fund. Um, I've learned to keep a six to 12 month emergency fund because life will have financial emergencies. Life will have emotional emergencies. So you end up responding instead of reacting. And you're no longer a victim of your circumstances. You're more a creator of the life you want. Oh, I like that a lot. So, you know, a lot of people would say to you, yeah, but now you're a doctor. You don't really understand what I'm going through. Um, how do you respond to people who... Um, maybe have missed the part that you grew up in Cameroon? What I say to those people is that there's a process for everything. The most dangerous mentality you can have is to believe that one person is more successful than you can become because, some because of some advantage that they have. The only advantage I have had is that I have been prepared for every circumstance. And so nothing in my life is luck. My luck is preparation meeting opportunity. I don't believe in luck. In 1994, when I moved to this country, I was 16 years old and I started community college and I started working at McDonald's. My parents had to pay thousands of dollars for my tuition. I didn't qualify for in-state tuition. I didn't qualify for loans. But there were people in this country whom I didn't even know who helped me learn how to apply for scholarships, learn how to volunteer so that I would become part of organizations like Phi Theater Kappa. Um, but I worked hard. I squeezed every single opportunity that I had. So to those people, I just tell them, please change your perspective because it really starts with you learning what it takes. There's nothing you cannot be, do, or have if anybody else has done it. And especially if I have done it. And I just tell anyone who's out there who wants to do anything with their lives to take the first step because your actions away from becoming who you were meant to be. It has nothing to do with luck. It has nothing to do with whatever people think it is. 
there's a process to everything. And if you work for it, you will get it. So share with us, I mean, there's so many good secrets in the book, but share with us just one tip on how to really fall in love with yourself. Accept who you are. Know that you're not perfect and know that you have everything within you to become the best version of yourself. And in order for you to live your best life, you have to become the best version of yourself. You will always be a weak reflection of someone else. That's why there's only one Oprah Winfrey. There will only be one Napoleon Hill. There's only one Tony Robbins because everyone else is meant to be their own version of themselves. So if there's one thing I would tell people is accept who you are, embrace your faults, work on your weaknesses, but amplify your strengths because your joy will come from your strengths. And don't think that there's anybody out there who can give you something that will make you happy. Happiness is a state of mind and that state is within you. And the one person who really guides you throughout all of this is invisible. And that's our creator who lives within every single one of us. So that's where our source of strength should come from. That's where my source of strength has always come from. And that's really what I want people to understand. How can people who want to go deeper with you and work more on this, how could they get in contact with you? They can email me and I will also make my phone number available. We also have a Facebook page, Success Motivation. They can um, send me a message on Facebook. And we're also working on our website. We should be up uh, in a few weeks. We're also creating a, um, excuse me, we're also creating an online course which goes along with the book, which provides practical steps to help people go from point A to point B. The book is called Your Best Life Now, Truly Loving You and Writing Your Success Story by Dr. Alice Bissong. Alice, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Are you ready to write your success story? Do you know at the core of you who you are? what you're meant to do in this world. And are you ready to powerfully do that in such a way that it really impacts and makes the difference that only you can make? I really do want that for you. One of the best definitions of living as a thriving entrepreneur is that person that is impacting their world on a grand level because they are showing up every day just as you, just as yourself. That's really powerful stuff. And that's living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. 
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur as we focus in on being the best version of yourself. You see, what ends up happening is when you really truly know yourself, you move from success to significance, you move from doing what you're supposed to do to that thing that you know that you know that you know you can show up in the world and do. Um, I love it when people find who they truly are and they show up in such a way that they just powerfully make a difference in this world that without them being the best version of themselves things just aren't exactly the way that they could be and so I really want you to pay attention to this next uh, guest as as we share the powerful things that he now does in the world all because he made the commitment first to himself to be who he needed to be, to not just have as his only goal in life success in corporate world, but to also be in that specifically perfect place that was meant specifically just for him. Each of us needs that. And while we listen to this next guest, keep in mind, who are you? And what should you or could you do that would make a massively dramatic impact in this world? Join me in welcoming Dan Englander. Hi, Dan. How are you doing today? Hey, Steve. I'm well. How are you? Doing good, thanks. So uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Yeah. So, so again, Dan Englander, um, and I am a CEO and founder of a company called sales schema. And basically we are a sales team and we're helping our clients, you know, go out and win business, keep their pipelines full. And we're working with primarily uh, a boutique ad agencies and that sort of thing. But aside from, from, you know, what I'm doing now, um, my background is in the agency space. I kind of first worked in accounts for a long time that I, I fell into a new business role and uh, helped helped grow an animation studio for a number of years. I self-published a, a couple uh, business books, one called Mastering Account Management, another called the B2B Sales Blueprint. I went on the classic uh, Tim Ferriss red pill, go throughout you know Asia with my girlfriend at the time, trying to figure out what I was going to do because I just knew I didn't want to be in a job, didn't really know what the next step was going to be. And then eventually kind of 
you know, went through uh, a series of experiences, kind of like a positive version of Breaking Bad, where there's just like this decision tree that keeps going until now I have I have this business. It's been since uh, roughly 2014 or so. So that's kind of kind of my uh, in a nutshell story. So I know you've done some pretty big things, including going way up in a company that you started off kind of doing slave labor, if that's not <laughs> an unfair way of putting it. Um, so it, out of all the cool stuff you've done uh, business-wise, what is right now, today at least, your favorite? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, right now, it's it's really kind of building out the team um, get, getting more into trying to figure out how this whole distributed team thing works, which is simultaneously challenging and, and really interesting and rewarding because nobody's really done it well yet. I mean, it's some, I'm sure there's companies doing it quite well, but it hasn't been around that long is what I'm saying. So I think that that's probably simultaneously the most, you know, rewarding and fun thing is kind of figuring out how to build this culture and make things work right and experiment and, and, and creating, you know, kind of a, a rewarding experience for the people that are working with us um, is, is right at the moment, kind of the, the more interesting thing. Now I love the name of uh, your podcast. I think it is, if I'm reading this correctly, um, it's duct taped duct tape marketing. Uh, no, that's, that's not us. That's actually John Janches. So I've, I've appeared on there. So maybe that, that came up as a placement. Oh, okay. Um, ours, and no worries. Ours is actually called the, the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. Okay, there you go. So what kind of things do you guys talk about on the show? So basically we talk about um, all things related to, to boutique ad agencies and, and the sort of challenges and things they're up against. And I think that, you know, I'm not sure if your listeners are, are you know, have knowledge with the agency world or anything like that, but to kind of bring it down to earth, you know, if you've ever watched Mad Men or that sort of thing, you know, it used to be that there were fewer agencies, um, even though not all of them were as big as like an Ogilvy or one, one that might be represented in that Mad Men world. Um, there were, there were fewer of them. And then, you know, with the internet and with with the world becoming flat, there's a lot more marketing service companies and there's a lot more volatility and brands sort of working with, with agencies and, and uh, more, more frequently and in different ways than they, than they used to. So that's created a lot of challenges, a lot more attrition. Um, a lot of agencies are having to do different things to win business than they used to. Um, and that's sort of where, where we're helping. And those are some of the big themes that we're covering on the podcast um, when we have people on. So there are these days, especially a lot of, you know, little tiny companies, people working from their homes and different things like that. Well, I mean, there's some huge companies working from their homes too, but that's a different story. Um, for, you know, smaller companies, sometimes they get an opportunity to be able to really, you know, at least get a bite from a really big fish type of client. Um, is it even possible? Should they, should they go after that person? And if so, what are some secrets that they should know to, to yeah. be able to land that? Yeah, it's a really good question. So to answer your first question, is it possible? Absolutely. Um, I think it's more possible than it ever has been at any time in history. And, and that's because if you're, if you're a big brand, and let's say regardless of what sector you're in, but for us in the world, we know is marketing. So if you're a CMO at a, at a large or mid-market or, or whatever sizable brand, um, you're, you're constantly balancing risk. And what used to be not risky was hiring a giant company to do things. 
um, because the the world didn't change as fast, and and also just the the number of skill sets that would have to be thought about. The technology wasn't changing as fast for one, so it made sense to kind of hire a big firm that you know you play golf with the owner with or whatever uh, every every you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years. Now to do that, to hire a giant firm to do things is actually really risky if you think about it, because you're, you know, there's a lot of bloat. They don't, you don't really get an advantage from working with a giant group of people. I think the advantage is, is more through strategy and creativity and technology. So you don't need massive numbers of people to do that well. You need smaller, smaller groups of people. So then the question becomes, you know, if you're, if you have one of these giant brands, are you going to build this in-house and invest tons of money and probably get it wrong? or you're going to hire a small group of specialists. So I, I think right now there's probably more opportunity for small companies um, than there has been in any other time. Also, the way business is being done is different is, is a lot more different. So, excuse me, that's, that's uh, Bushism. Um, but basically, you know, people, big companies are doing business from those who are knocking on their doors and they're finding companies through other mediums, through through search, through advertising, through through digital means and so on. So it's less of this sort of like old, old boys network. So you absolutely can, um, whether or not you should or not is, is kind of determined by lots of factors that, you know, I can't possibly say for, for your listeners. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you're going to have an in-person sales process, that's going to take time and effort. Um, the reward should be sizable enough. I think the biggest mistake that we've seen small agencies and small clients make is, is not charging enough. And the problem with that is, is, is you, it's pretty easy to end up in this no man's land where your cost of acquisition and the amount of time and energy you're putting to hustling and winning a deal um, doesn't really account for the amount that you stand to make after you, you, you know, um, pay all your, your expenses and so on. So I think, I think that is an argument in general for going up market, whether or not you should, or what that means is kind of hard to say. Um, yeah. And hopefully that answers your question. I think maybe there's one element I, I missed there. But. Yeah, no problem. So, um, you know, you bring up an interesting point in there. Maybe one of the things I've ran into, probably you have too, um, is that whole, what do I charge? Um, I would say that probably 80% or more of the small businesses that I talk to that we work with don't charge enough. So right. got any secret inside tips on how to know that number? I mean, I've heard so many people that it just sounds like guesswork, but maybe you've got something that's a little more strategy based rather than just, yeah, that number felt good. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, I don't have anything like a, like a spreadsheet or a rubric that's going to tell you what to charge. It's obviously very contextual. Um, but I, I think it's, it's the better way to go about it is probably thinking of it as, uh, as more of an approach or, or philosophy. And, and I think that a lot of the times, um, there's, there's a temptation to kind of go for this race to the bottom sort of, sort of thing where, you know, you're, you're putting yourself up against, um, every other service provider and uh, the, the leverage really comes into in, in through a few different ways. You know, I, I think there's diff, there's common ways. One of them is to have some sort of super innovational one of a kind technology and that's Silicon Valley and they, they name their prices. You know, they, they kind of do what they want because what they're doing is truly dynamic. And if you happen to have that position, even if you're not a Silicon Valley person, um, then you can charge whatever you want. Um, 
within reason. I mean, there's, there's, there's some constraints there. Another, another is niching. And I think that that's probably the, the more accessible way to charge a lot more um, a, as a small business. So, you know, if you, if you, and this is not my observation, I think lots of other people have talked about this, but if, if you are, you know, a web designer um, for everyone, um, that's, that's a orders of magnitude different, you know, rate that you can charge than if you are a web designer for growth stage beverage companies. Um, and you only do that sort of work because then they're hiring you for, for safety. They're hiring you for the fact that they're not going to lose their job because it makes perfect sense to hire you because you know, their market. And that's exactly what we do for our clients. Um, and the other thing is just, there's just so much to, to learn about these businesses um, there's so much that you can offer and you can cross sell. And there's almost like a, almost a built-in consulting element when you, when you do niche um, that becomes really powerful. So, so I, I would think of it, you know, more against their next best alternatives, more against them building it in house, more against the cost of, of them getting it wrong. If they hire somebody that's not specialized and then kind of bake your pricing based on that. Okay. That makes sense. So I want to dive a little bit into this phrase um, that your assistant, I think it was, said to me, the death of the full service marketing agency. It's, it's a really intriguing phrase to me. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that think they're marketers that aren't. We won't even go down that road <laughs> with you and I having both been in marketing space for a lot of years. But um, there are a lot of people that are doing their own marketing. Um, and with this phrase death of a full service marketing agency what what does that end up meaning for uh you know the small business when should they really not do it themselves yeah yeah so to give a little context there um I'm not saying that an agency can't be full service and I'm also not saying that every full service agency is bound, bound to die. There might be a little bit of clickbaitiness there, but what, what I meant to imply with that is that the, it's getting much more difficult to be an agency for, for everyone doing everything. Um, so it's, it's sort of back to that, that idea of niching um, and, and that idea of focusing on a particular area or, or a particular few areas. So to, you know, to answer what that, that could mean for your audience in terms of, of when, when they do it or, or how they do it and that sort of thing, um, it might mean you know, essentially picking a few different verticals that you focus on that have certain commonalities. Um, a good friend of mine, Drew McClellan, who's got a great podcast called Build a Better Agency, refers to this as connective tissue. So you might have, you know, um, like food and beverage brands and then uh, consumer packaged goods and then something that has, you know, a small group of verticals that have certain commonalities and you're focusing on that. Um, in terms of the services you're providing, you know, I actually think that full service can can still work, but it's not completely full service. It's not like, you know, you're, you're going to one of these Ogilvy's of the world and it's like, we can just, we can do anything. We can put a float down, down Times Square or we can do a programmatic ad campaign. It's like, no, you probably have a few key things that you do well or, or kind of a suite or a bundle of services that you do for certain distinct buyers. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that that's the only thing that can work, but from all the data we're getting and all the campaigns we're running for our clients, um, that's what we're seeing to, to work these days, basically. 
So again, it boils down to, I know you probably say this all the day, all the time <laughs> to clients. Um, you know, there's riches in the niches. The more you niche down, the better you're going to survive in the current market. I think so. I mean, there is such a thing as over niching. Like if your total addressable market becomes like just a few companies, um, you know, that might be difficult. Um, so there is probably a sweet spot of some sort, but it's, it's, it's usually, you know, the most accessible way to make a defensible business from what I see uh, for, for a small business. It's not the only way, um, but it's, I think it's most accessible. Yeah. So let's take it the other direction. Um, let's talk a little bit about the resistance that people are having. So we talked a little bit a minute ago, I was talking about the fact that a lot of people are trying to do it themselves um, as a marketing agency, what do you run into as objections? What are the kind of things that people are saying why they're going to just do it themselves rather than hiring you and, and how do you overcome that? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, so, you know, to, to back up a bit, I think the more, the more common situation we have is that uh, an agency is trying to hire a salesperson before they they're ready for that, or basically they're, they're trying to hire a driver before they've built the car. Um, and the problem with that is, you know, most of the clients we're working with have built themselves up on referrals and personal networks. And sometimes over the course of decades, they've done quite well with that. And I think there's nothing necessarily wrong with, with that, but a lot of the times they're hitting this sort of growth ceiling, you know, where, where the, the sort of sporadic or haphazard, um, sales process isn't, isn't working for them. So, you know, the, the, the way that we get over that, this idea of us kind of being able to help them is that at the end of the day, we're not going to be closing deals for them. We're not going to be closing five and six, seven figure deals. That's something that pretty much has to be done in house, just based on the complexity, based on the training, based on the ramp up that it takes. But the, the, the reality is it's sort of like that Mike Tyson quote, like, you know, like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You're, you're not going to be able to build that process and that plan internally until you have enough active sales situations until you're in the trenches with enough people. Um, and that's essentially what, what we're helping with. And, and, you know, we're only working with agencies that have been around the block for a few years that have some good case studies that have product market fit. Um, and then from there, you know, we're, we're kind of a fuel on the fire situation. All right. So I was in this <laughs> and it didn't turn into a flame war, but it could have very easily. But there was this really intriguing question that I was participating in the discussion and on Facebook the other day. And I'd love to hear you weigh in. Um, the question that the person asked into the group, mostly marketers and salespeople, was if you could, and I have to preface this by saying you have to in this particular case, um, not know or not agree with the fact that marketing and sales are actually in the same, you know, that sales is part of marketing. Sure. Um, okay. So that's kind of the codicil to it. But um, if you could only know as a small business owner, only know marketing or only know sales, and that was the only one effort you could do, which of those is most important for you to know in order to start and grow your new business? So weigh in on that. What's your opinion? Oh, I mean, I'd love to give you a snappy answer. I just don't know that I can. Uh, it really depends on, on what you're selling. I mean, a small business that's, that's like an e-commerce business, I would probably say say marketing 
uh, if it's, you know, a higher ticket item where you, you need to essentially just win clients. I mean, we've had successful agencies that have had the same crappy business card websites since the eighties and have gotten to seven, eight figure revenues from just their networks and from pounding the phones and getting people on the line. So I think it's pretty contextual. Um, I, I don't know. I, I tend to not separate those two things as, as much. I think they're kind of just distinctions on the same effort, you know? Um, so, so anyway, that's, that's, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree totally with you. I just, it was a fun discussion to hear people back and forth, yeah. um, you know, just ready to stand on that hill and die on, you know, only well, marketing or only sales. It was, it was really fun to read actually. At, at, the, at the risk of sounding like a douche. Uh, I, I think that it's kind of like the wrong question to ask. I, I think the, you know, the better question is do, is there a salesperson in, in my organization? And if the answer is no, then it's probably you. And that's the, the classic like Peter Thiel line. <laughs> um, I think that's the more, that's the more common situation is that, you know, in a small business, there's somebody that is afraid to sell or thinks that they're going to like magically get somebody else to go out there and sell for them without any sort of process. And what you're really at, I mean, if you don't have that figured out yet, you're essentially asking somebody else to build your business for you, um, which isn't going to happen, you know? So, so that's, that's kind of the way I'd think about it. There, there are situations where if you're selling a very low end product, like an e-commerce thing or info product or something where, you know, an in-person sales process might not come into play. Um, but beyond that, I mean, if you're, if you're selling anything above roughly a thousand dollars or so, uh, maybe 2000, you're, you're going to have to have a, a conversation with somebody and that's essentially is, is sales now. So, so let's give the listener, um, you know, because some of them are still going to do it themselves. Um, let's give them a tip. Uh, in the marketing world of something that they could do that's shown to be pretty effective to help grow their brand exposure? Yeah, um, it, it's hard to pick out one thing because, you know, we're, I'm not really sure what, what niche we're on now, but I would say that what for us, like what we're doing right now <laughs> has been the, one of the more effective things for our businesses. Um, we're in a really interesting time uh, where we're, you know, we're, we're kind of, I think still in that early mover stage for podcasts, although maybe not as early as like when Joe Rogan got in or something. So, you know, there's lots of these niche podcasts that have little bundles of, of very high value listeners um, and, and as well as blogs, as well as media publications and the threshold for getting on them and for talking about what you're, what you're doing and for telling interesting stories and, and winning clients isn't that much, you know, it's essentially reaching out. Um, so I would say that that's probably the, one of the more higher leverage things that you can do where instead of saying, I'm going to spend all Saturday morning writing articles for my blog, if you could spend that time putting together a hit list, um, coming up with a good pitch, making it easy on the person to have you on. Um, and then, and then, you know, going on these shows or going on these blogs or getting, getting whatever, just syndication in places where there's already audiences. That's probably my best rack. Um, it's kind of putting yourself out there that way. I've been talking with Dan Englander. Um, Dan, I want to make sure that anybody that does want to go deeper with you, whether that be, um, you know, just a little bit of help or they want you to be their full service marketing agency, um, how can a person get in contact with you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, best way is uh, just saleschema.com. Um, sales as in sales and schema as in schematic or, or email at dan at saleschema.com. Perfect. 
Well, Dan, I really appreciate you uh, taking your time on the show to uh, share some insights in the marketing world with uh, the listeners today. Thank you, Stevie. I really appreciate it. Two marketing people could get together and talk marketing for the rest of their life. <laughs> you know, it's just so much fun to share time, um, to share with you somebody who is like-minded and is really getting some things done in the world. Uh, you know, Dan, as he told you, you know, made some moves that put him in that perfect spot to really then make that huge splash that he can make in this world, to really make that difference in marketing space that um, he was always meant to make, but that until he got into that perfect right spot, um, he couldn't make because he was limited by both his surroundings as well as his view of himself. Does that make sense? I hope that you have gained some insights into how to be the best version of you and that with that, you will truly thrive and live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I appreciate you spending time with us. I love bringing guests to you. I love really pouring out to you people's brilliance. Um, more than anything, I just really love taking that. And because my gifting is helping you reframe, it's that ability to be able to find power because you find clarity. Often we... Uh, we spend so much time seeing the impossible, seeing the hurdle that we don't see beyond the hurdles is the finish line. You see, a, a good hurdler, a good track star will tell you that they don't see the space between here and there. They see themselves crossing that finish line. They see themselves crossing that finish line first. And so when you're running the hurdles, the hurdles are simply something that you bypass, really, is probably the best word, on your way to being the first person across that finish line. And here's the cool part about it, um, because life is the way that it is, your finish line is set perfectly for you to win your race. 
because nobody else can be you. Nobody else is going to come in first in being the best version of you. Think about that. So often we define ourselves as a loser, as less than, as not good enough. But there is no one on this planet that has the ability to be you. People can mimic. I mean, I love listening to some of the people that are really good at impersonations. It's really fun and funny to listen to them change their voice. And all of a sudden it sounds just like that person. But because they can dress up make themselves up and look identical to that person. They can change their voice and sound like that person. They can learn the mannerisms and the speech patterns of that person. They can even possibly have that person write down the exact words, phrases, thoughts, feelings that they're having. And they can act like that person. But the one thing that no matter how good an impersonation is, they can never be that person. You see, you're the only one that can be you. You're the one who is going to win your race. Because when you come to that finish line of life, you will be the one and only you. It reminds me of an old Abbott and Costello comedy routine where, um, you know, Costello has bought this broken down, dilapidated horse and he's going to run him in a horse race. And they enter him in a horse race and he's the only horse in the race. So obviously only one horse in the race, Costello is going to bet on his horse because his horse is going to win because he's the only horse in the race. And, you know, he's leading all the way through the run and blah, blah, blah. You know, at the three-quarter mark, it's peanut butter and blah, blah, blah. And then it gets to the end, and the winner is a different horse. <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute. There's only one horse in the race. How could he have not won? And, and Abbott says, oh, well, this other horse came in from the last race. <laughs> it doesn't actually happen that way in real life. In real life, you're the only you. And you are going to win. You are a winner. You are the best you that has ever existed. Now here's the fun part. That best can get even better. You can make that success as big as you want it to be. I'm challenged all too often by how easy it is to play small. And it is. It's easy to compromise, to be less than, to try to fit in, to not make waves, all of those kind of things. But at the end of the day, the thing that you want to be is the best you. You want to show up in this world. Give it your all. And when you cross that finish line as the winner, because you're the only horse in the race, there's not going to be another horse that comes in from the previous race 
and beat you at the race of living your life, you are already the winner. It is and is going to continue happening. So now again the question becomes, how big do you want your success to be? I hope you want it to be huge. And here's why. Because your life is not about you. It's not for you. Each of us, our life exists for the people that we're meant to serve. The people that only you can reach, can help. You can do it. You are the winner. And now is your time to share all that you are to this point to the world, to do that book, to join us in Bestsellers Guild, and to know I'm the winner. I won. I am the best me. And it's only getting better. So, so much better as you continue down the path of winning at your life. Because you are uniquely brilliant. There's nobody else like you. There isn't, even if you have a twin, they're not like you. They're themselves. You're uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. All too often, it's so easy to fall into the belief that we're an accident, that there's no real plan for us. But there, oh, let me tell you, there is huge purpose and plan for you that only you can do. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. You're winning. You are the winner of you. Now you need to show up and determine how huge do you want that success to be. It's yours to win because you're going to win. And now it's just a matter of how huge was that mountain that you climb that you defeated that you overcame I believe in you I see you for the greatness that is in you and I want you to know that we're here to help you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur I hope you will embrace that and live by that all week until next time have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? 
Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.